Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Jester. I'm on the team here at Grace. Great to have everyone here this morning. Anybody in here enjoy The Office? Anybody? We have a few Office fans in the room. I don't watch many comedy series, but I probably watched that one more than any other. Um, But raise your hand if you have ever felt excluded, rejected, left behind, or left out of something. Anybody? Anybody in this room fit that category? Yeah, probably every single one of us in this room has felt that at some point. It's one of the worst feelings, right? And it's one thing to be excluded from maybe a party or, or maybe from a family or a friend event or left behind, but you can imagine the feeling of being excluded or left behind by the church or those who claim to follow God, which can easily lead to the feeling that maybe even God has left me behind. And I think it happens more often than people realize. And it's been happening among people who claim to follow God for a long time. And when Jesus saw this way of thinking, of excluding people often based on prejudiced thinking, he challenged it head on. And if Jesus challenged it head on, we should challenge this way of thinking as well. So today we're in the second part of a three-part series that we've entitled leave no one behind. And Jesus taught his disciples this important principle on many occasions, go after the one that everyone else is leaving behind and invite them into your life and into the life of God's kingdom. Jesus is always willing to go great lengths to pursue the least, the last, and the lost with the gospel. And he calls us to follow his example in the same way. And last week, we read several passages of scripture where Jesus modeled this, right? We saw how the religious leaders wanted to leave the children behind, but Jesus included them. We saw that religious leaders wanted to leave those with physical disabilities behind, but Jesus included them. The religious leaders wanted to leave those who had a lot of sin in their lives behind, but Jesus included them. You see, the religious leaders of the day had a tendency to push people out and push people down, and Jesus did the exact opposite. He welcomed people in and raised them up. And we shared this last week, but I think it's worth sharing again this week today that this is what we at Grace Gathering desire to be about. And I think we have it up here. We are a church that welcomes people of all backgrounds, black, white, brown, married, single, divorced, living together, gay, straight, trans, addict, recovering addict, rich, poor, young, old, religious, atheist, and everything in between. We believe that everyone has brokenness and is in need of God's mercy in Christ. And the church can have a tendency to push people out and push people down. And again, Jesus did the opposite. Jesus left no one behind. And we don't want to leave anyone behind as well. And as we mentioned last week, the foundation of this series is found in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells three parables in a row the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. 
And last week, we spent some time looking at the lost sheep, and we're going to spend a few moments here looking at the lost coin. So if you have your Bibles, you can feel free to turn to Luke chapter 15, Luke 15, and we're going to begin in verse 1. So Luke 15, verse 1, and it says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in that same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So let's just think about this parable for a moment. The assumption here is that the 10 coins are the only coins, the only money that this woman had. And if that's the case, when you lose one of them, it isn't that you're focused on the nine. The focus is on the value of of the one. Each of the 10 coins are extremely valuable, just like the 100 sheep in the previous parable are value. The focus is going after the one. The concern for the lost coin is due to the value of each coin. And this is why the woman is so diligent and focused on doing everything that she possibly can to find that one coin. And let's remember the context of these three parables here that Jesus is sharing. It's primarily targeted to the religious leaders who had prejudices against all kinds of people groups. And the point that Jesus is making is that every single person is so valuable to God because he is, one who has, he is the one that has created all of us, that has created every single person. Jesus invites people in and raises people up, particularly those that are cast aside by society, right? This passage says that the woman searched carefully for the coin. The Greek word used in the passage translated carefully is a word that's also translated as like diligent and connotes thoughtful and and persistent attention, perseverance. Uh, She was perseverant towards finding that coin, And this goes back to the biblical truth that God is not willing to let anyone perish, to not let anyone be left behind. 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient with people as he desires them to repent and turn back to God. That word repentance, metanoia, to to change your mind, to change your conscience, to turn around, to repent and turn back to him. 
Every single person has value before God because every single person has been made in God's image. No matter what their background is, no matter what their experiences are, what their challenges are, or what level of brokenness they have, or what level of dysfunction that they have, everyone matters to God and he loves everyone. And at the same time, every single person has turned away from God. And so every single person has brokenness and pain and is in need of God's forgiveness in Christ, every one of us. And there are many different segments of society that people have a tendency to write off, to marginalize, or to push away. For example, the young and the old, right? I mean, I I wanted to have a a young girl, Rihanna Booth, up here. She's an 11-year-old girl that's part of Grace Gathering North here. And uh, Rihanna deals with just a, a chronic um, sickness that she's battled for a long time. And this morning she couldn't make it here um, because she was sick. But I wanted to share a little bit of her story because I shared last week that I believe that here at Grace North in particular, that when it comes to this idea of leaving no one behind, I feel like our children and our teenagers, the young people in this place, are really trudging the way in this and really paving the way for us and are, are giving us examples for us to be able to follow. And Rihanna Booth is, is one of those examples where her and her family for the past, I think it's been a few years now, has spent some time at a homeless veteran shelter in downtown Fort Wayne off of Tennessee Ave. You may have heard of it called the Shepherd's House. And they go down there on a regular basis um, and spend time with these guys. We ha- actually had a, a family that moved. They sold their house uh, quite a few years ago um, and moved into the shepherd's house where there's 30, 35 men there at a time, homeless vets at a time, to be house parents there. And so the Boos and a few other families go on a regular occasion down there. And Rihanna is one of them that goes down there, this 11-year-old. And I, I was talking to her, her dad recently, and he said that um, not too long ago, she was just sharing a little bit of her story, an 11-year-old sharing her story with these men at this homeless shelter. And it really spoke to this older man um, that was in the shelter. And, and it, really, um, it really hit him, what she had to say, and he was really challenged by it. And so since that time, um, they're regularly praying for one another. And Rihanna um, is regularly praying for this homeless vet um, and spending time with him on a regular occasion. So she's stepping out of her, her comfort zone regularly, an 11-year-old girl stepping out of her comfort zone regularly to engage with someone that for, in society as a, as a whole, we would consider um, marginalized or on the outside of society. But Rihanna is stepping right into that and engaging right into that. And man, that is challenging to me and should be challenging to us as well, right? And many people within our society and even within the church get marginalized, whether it's the young or the old, the poor, those with physical or mental disabilities, those with racial differences, those with unique gender issues, former criminals, addicts, etc. But here's the truth, that all are valuable, are valuable to God. Just this past week, I met with a man, he's in his 40s, that's in just the midst of some real extreme brokenness and sin, and that sin has caught up with him to the point where his decisions have caused him to lose a lot, and potentially even his wife. And so I sat down with him, and he, exp- <clears throat> he expressed that everyone in his life 
has done one of two things. Either they have completely abandoned him for the things he's done, or they have encouraged him to forget it and just continue in the lifestyle that he's in. They've done one of two things. And he's not currently a follower of Jesus. And so I asked him if he has anyone in his life, any godly people in his life that's willing to love him unconditionally, but also to speak truth to him. And he expressed, no, he doesn't. Why? Like, why is that? And he expressed that he just doesn't feel comfortable in the church. He just doesn't feel comfortable there. He just feels like, um, like he's gonna be judged. And I, I think that is because the church has a tendency to push certain segments of people in our society out and push them down. And if I look at the scriptures and the example of Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus did not do that. He invites them in and raises them up. The, re- the reality is that within the, the capital C church, there are churches that focus more on truth over grace and people feel pushed out and pushed down and welcome. And then you have other churches that focus more on grace over truth and don't ever call people to repent and change even when it's hard. There's like, there's like two ditches that we can end up on and both ditches are super unhealthy. But we as churches can end up in one of those ditches really, really easily. But Jesus is our perfect example of grace and truth. And at Grace Gathering, our perspective is that everyone has brokenness and everyone has pain and everyone has dysfunction. That one person's brokenness is not worse than another and that we should be welcoming everyone and helping everyone to receive God's grace and love and then learn how to follow Jesus. This is how Jesus did it. And we need to learn how Jesus invited people into his life, love people where they were without them feeling judged, and then lovingly challenging them to lay down their lives to follow him. And as Jesus was inviting into his life um, others that were trying to separate, he loved them, and then he challenged them to sin no more, right? Remember Jesus' interaction with a woman caught in adultery? It's found in, in the book of John, John 8, 10 through 11. It says this, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Grace, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Truth. Everyone felt welcomed by Jesus. Jesus loved everyone, invited them close, and then challenged them to follow. I want to put back on the screen the list of people that here at Grace Gathering we want to be welcoming to. How do we, how do we like the woman who searches for her lost kind, allow God to work through us to search for people whom our society casts aside? Or writes off. What coin are you searching diligently for? It typically doesn't happen other than being intentional and diligent, like the woman who was diligent and perseverant towards finding that coin. I think of people I have personally pursued that others may not. It always comes back to me initiating and inviting in. So I want us to just spend a few moments and think about the people on this list? How can you intentionally reach out to those that are on this list? 
What does that look like for you individually to reach out to those on this list? Let's just spend a few moments and think about this. So how how can we, as a church, reach out to the least, the last, and the lost? Let me just give some some simple, some four and simple but really important steps for us as we step into this. What does it look like for us to reach out to the least, the last, and the lost? Four things. One, pray that God will reveal specific names and people. Just pray. God, reveal specific names, specific people that you're calling me to reach out to in this season of my life. One of the things, and I've shared this before, one of the things that I do regularly is I put in my phone people that I believe that God is calling me to reach out to. Um, and I have a list of people um, so that I can be intentional. I'm the type of person that can get very distracted very easily. Um, and so it's really important for me to be very intentional and to, to pray, God, who, it is, who is it during this season that you're calling me to reach out to? And I write those down and I have them in my phone. I have them in my phone right now. Um, and I'm regularly praying for them and regularly reaching out to them. Who is that for you? And I just would encourage you to do that. But pray God will reveal specific names and people. And then secondly, seek ways to build relationship. What does it look like to build relationship with them? And there's a lot of ways to do this. Maybe it's through things that you enjoy. Maybe, maybe it's through some sort of sport that you, that you enjoy doing. Maybe it's an activity that you enjoy doing. What does it look like to, to uh, seek ways to build relationship with those around you? And what does it look like to be real intentional with that? Maybe it's just inviting them over for a meal, or maybe it's going out to eat with them, whatever it may be. What does it look like to seek ways of building relationship? And then thirdly, discern if they are open to God. And this is really important. I'm trying to do that with this 40-year-old man that I was talking about, Um, trying to figure out, is he open to God? Is he open to um, what God has to say about his situation? And I don't know that yet. I'm not sure. But is he open? There's There's a passage, and many of you guys have heard it before, in Luke chapter 10, that talks about Jesus sending out the 72 and they, and they go out and they go door to door and they're knocking on doors and they, they knock on the doors and, the, and scripture says to look for a person of peace. Look for someone that would answer the door and that would be open to you, that would welcome you, that would invite you in. And if that is a person of peace, if you find that, then stay there, spend time with them. If they're not, scripture says, um, it actually says, knock the dust off your feet and move on. I mean, that's the example that Jesus gave. So there's this process of evaluating if they're open to the things of God. And I feel sometimes um, we can fall into a ditch there where it's we, we take too long or we, we stay too long or we don't stay long enough. And it's important that we really evaluate that. What does that look like for us? That we're not giving up on people too soon, but we're not staying too long because there's others that, God, that may be open to God as well. Um, so what does it look like to discern if they're open to God? So pray God will reveal specific names and people, seek ways of building relationship, and then discern if they're open to God. And fourthly, pray for a balance of grace and truth. And just like churches can be this way where they can fall into a ditch of one or the other, I think we individually, we can have a tendency one way or the other. And I'm assuming each person in this room 
um, has a tendency towards one way or the other. So maybe you're a person um, that maybe focuses more on, on the truth end of things. And, and that's, that's the ditch that you fall into, or maybe others that are more about the, the, on the grace end of things. And I feel like um, a lot of us are in different places in that. But it's, it's important for us to understand where we're at and what our tendency is in order to understand what it looks like for us to become more balanced in that, more balanced when it comes to grace and truth. So pray for a balance of grace and truth. And it, in addition to this, notice what happens in that passage, Luke 15, when people are found. Scripture says that there's great rejoicing. Even the angels rejoice. I was just um, thinking this morning about a guy, um, many of you guys know him, uh, Matt, who's part of Grace North. And I was just thinking, um, it's been, I think, four years ago now that, that Matt walked into Grace Gathering here, North here, um, and he was really battling lots of dysfunction, lots of brokenness in his life, lots of struggle in his, in his life. I um, mean, he walked into the doors, and God was speaking to him, and God was moving in, the, in his life. And um, at the time, he was a, he was a drug addict. Um, he was about to lose his family. There was just a lot of difficult things in his life. And he came in, and God spoke. Um, and I remember him giving his life to Christ, and it was a really kind of a, a radical experience where, where it was like night and day, um, and, and God spoke to him, and he came to faith. And I remember actually saying with him, do you realize that there are thousands of angels rejoicing over you right now? There are thousands of angels rejoicing, and that's reality. That's what this scripture says, that when one person comes to faith in Christ, that there's angels that are in heaven that are rejoicing. And so we should rejoice as well. So what I want to do is that we're going to sing a song here at the end. Um, it's called uh, So Will I. Many of you guys have heard this song before. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up even now. But the theme of this song is that God has created a, a diverse world and all that he has created, we're created in order to, to worship him, every single one of us, that we're all made in God's image, and we're all made to worship him no matter how different, no matter how broken, he calls us to worship him, and he calls us, just as Jesus did, uh, to leave no one behind. And so they're going to sing that song here. Um, and then we're going to move into a time of response. But let me just pray for us before they lead us. So, Father, we're just grateful for who you are. God, we're grateful for your love for us. And, God, we're grateful for the example, Jesus, that you gave for us to leave no one behind because you left no one behind. And, God, I, I, just, I just pray that, that we as a church would be people that would do just that. God, we know that it was a revolutionary idea when you walked the earth. And God, we know that it's a revolutionary idea even now. It hasn't changed. To reach out to the least, the last, and the lost, the marginalized in society, the, the outcasts in society. So God, I just pray that you would just speak to us individually God, that you would reveal to us what it is that you're saying to us. God, I'm grateful that you're a God that does speak to us individually, that cares about us individually. 
We're valuable to you. God, we're grateful for that. And God, I pray that you would speak to us on what it would look like for us and what it does look like for us to do the same thing for others, Lord. Pray this in your name.